Hey, my name is Jerry. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you could join us in this series called My Big Fat Mouth. My wife reminded me of something this week. I, last week I confessed that this series makes me anxious because my mouth gets me in lots of trouble. As a kid, one of the nicknames that my dad gave me was mouth. Just like the guy on Goonies, I was obnoxious and I was always running my mouth and saying things that got me in trouble. And so I am being honest with you when I say this series makes me anxious because I just say things that after it comes out, I'm thinking, oh, that's going to cost me. Or I didn't, it didn't, I didn't mean it the way it sounded, right? And so I've just been anxious these last several weeks. And when I get anxious, I eat. Are there any other anxious eaters in the room? Yeah. And when I get anxious and I eat, I don't eat things that are good for me, right? I'm trying to make myself feel better. And so with that in mind, I want you to think about your favorite guilty pleasure treat. What is your go-to when you're, if you're going to do some guilt eating, what is it going to be? And let me be real clear when I say guilty pleasure. I'm not talking about carrots and ranch. The ranch doesn't count as guilty pleasure or some peanut butter with your celery. I'm talking about when you're getting ready to eat it, there's a little voice that whispers to you, ah, 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 a moment on the lips is a lifetime on the hips. It's going to shave a day or a month off of your life when you take this thing in, right? It's not good for you at all. So I know that everybody has their, their favorite thing. Some of us are chip people, just, you know, garbage food people. My wife, this is her favorite. If you've never had these, you should try them. She could down this bag in a minute. Our lead pastor, Paul Mumal, is a Doritos guy I learned this week. Some of us, as Joel said, you know, it's ice cream season, so some of us are ice cream people. My kids love some Oreos, specifically mint Oreos, right? You can, this is kind of a really good go-to. They get stuck in your teeth, though, so you got to be careful for that. Twizzlers, those are garbage. I don't know why those are in there. That shouldn't be anybody's guilt. You should feel guilty if you eat Twizzlers. They're gross. Twinkies are good, right? Chocolate, any chocolate people in the room? Milk chocolate, dark chocolate, chocolate with just about anything. Reese's Pieces, chocolate and peanut butter are good. Then some of us say, just forget all that. Just give me the straight sugar. Skittles or Sour Patch Kids, right? What is your favorite guilty pleasure treat? I could go, obviously, the Twizzlers are garbage. I could go for anything on the table. But there's one, as I've been preparing for this, there's one that reigns supreme for me. It's kind of like a delicacy. Because I know if I eat too much of it, I know I'll get sick. Raw cookie dough. This is my wife's special recipe. I love some raw cookie dough. It's so good. Raw cookie dough gets me in trouble all the time at home. My wife made cookies yesterday for the cookout. And you know what I was doing? Still a little pinch here, a little spoonful there. And I get swatted at with the spoon, get out of the kitchen. So my wife has started making me a little bowl off to the side that I can enjoy on my own. And, yeah, a lifetime on the hips, right? Uh, and as I'm enjoying it, as I take it to my mouth, you know what she says? You know that's not good for you. It's got raw eggs in it. You shouldn't eat that. Don't let the kids eat that. And I'm like, why do, you gotta, why do you gotta ruin the cookie dough, right? I know it's bad for me. That's like the worst kept secret ever. The FDA puts labels that says you shouldn't consume raw, raw egg. I know that. But it's so good, right? Cookie dough people, is that new information for anybody? Would that keep you from taking a chunk of raw cookie dough and putting it? No, it doesn't. Of course not, right? And so bring it on, I say, right? And, and here's the thing. You're probably like me. You're thinking things like that happen to other people. That didn't happen to me. And then I've even thought, I've even gone as far as thinking, 
if it did happen to me, it would probably be worth it, right? <laughs> if I'm going to go down, Rock Hookie Doe's the way to go, right? It has a dark side, but it's worth it. Well, last week we kicked off this series called My Big Fat Mouth, and we're talking about the power of our words. And the big takeaway from last week we learned was that our words have the power to give life or take life. Our words are powerful. And the crazy thing about that is we get to decide how we use and choose our words, right? We get to decide if we're going to give life or take life with the tone that we use. A, a good word in the right moment can, can lift somebody up or it can just drive somebody down. And last week we talked about the dangers of complaining. Anybody else been biting their tongue this week? Many of you have come up to me and said, Jerry, I really loved and hated your sermon last week because I have just tried really hard not to complain. Complaining's a thing in the Neville household, but we have found a solution that works. This was Monday morning in our house. Duct tape, right? And it worked beautifully. My daughter was not buying it. That's a legit face. I wanted her to smile. She didn't, she said, get the tape away, right? It worked as long as it was on our mouths. Once it came off, complaining came out, right? And one of my Facebook friends saw this picture and said, yeah, but what about all the junk in my heart? I'm like, yeah, I don't have duct tape for your heart. I don't know how to help you, right? But duct tape on the mouth can help. Now, in the weeks to come, we're going to talk about criticism and cursing. But today, we're going to dive into a topic that, believe it or not, has a lot in common with raw cookie dough. It's so good. It's so tempting. We know it's bad for us, but we just can't help ourselves. And it drives the tabloid-driven culture that we live in. The topic is gossip, and chances are you probably live, work, or play with someone who loves to share them some gossip, right? They're going to tell you everything they know about everyone else, and when they're not with you, guess what they're doing? They're telling everybody else something about you. We all know those people, right? But before we go any further, I thought it might be good for us to define what exactly gossip is. And so I asked my kids at dinner this week, I said, hey, how would you guys define gossip? And my son, Ben, just immediately said, well, it's just talking about somebody behind their back. And I thought that is the most simple and concise definition. Now, a more official definition that I found this week is this. Gossip is casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. It's unconstrained. It's casual. May or may not be true, but it's still being spread. And one of the things that I've learned over the last several weeks as I've been preparing for this message is that the Hebrew word, or one of the Hebrew words used in the Old Testament for gossip, literally translated means to be or make spacious, open, or roomy. And when it comes to our words, the idea is that it's describing someone whose lips are opening continually. In other words, they're always talking about someone or something. But that same Hebrew word can also mean to entice, deceive, or persuade. Now you put those two together, something that's spacious, open, and roomy, that deceives and entices. And it's talking about the words of a gossip. And that sounds about right, doesn't it? And on that note, it's been said that gossip can make its way around the world and back before the truth can get up and get out of bed and get its pants on in the morning, right? Gossip just spreads so quickly. There's just something about it. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking, now, I got to be honest, I don't struggle with this one, but I know somebody that does, right? And I would say that. But then I started thinking, I want to ask you some questions. Have you ever found yourself talking about someone 
that wasn't in the conversation with you and you were saying something about them that you wouldn't want them to hear you say? Did a coworker stop by this week to share a juicy tidbit of information about someone else in the office or someone that you both know? Have you found yourself talking with a spouse or a friend about that crazy neighbor and you can't figure out their, their patterns and so you're trying to figure them out on your own? Have you heard anything recently that seemed like speculation that caused you to judge someone else unfairly? Have you read any articles or posts on social media this week about a celebrity's private life? Did you hear something about somebody that you couldn't help but turn around and tweet or post or call someone else about? Or worse yet, did you hear something bad about somebody that you turned around and disguised as a prayer request? Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about all of that, I would, I would have to admit that I have probably participated in gossip more often than I care to admit. And the reality is we live in a culture that is so inundated with everyone else's dirty laundry and fake news, it's easy for us to get pulled into the drama or to get distracted by the headlines that we completely disregard the danger of what we're exposed to and what we're participating in. But let's be honest. I mean, have you ever wondered, what's so bad about gossip? People talk about people. As long as the other person doesn't hear or know who said it, what's so bad about that, right? Well, as it turns out, there's an ancient book in the Old Testament called the book of Proverbs that says several things on this topic of gossip. And as you might have guessed, the book of Proverbs is a collection of axioms, adages, and wise sayings about how life works. But if you're not familiar with Proverbs, this is what I would want you to know. Here at Genesis, we believe that the book of Proverbs is inspired by God. It's different from any other collection of wise sayings because we believe these are God's words that he's given us and they, give, they contain warnings and guidelines about how life actually works. And so as we dive into his word in Proverbs today, these aren't suggestions. And for those of us that follow Jesus, this is how he wants us to live. He wants us to take these things very seriously. And what we're gonna learn today is that from, from Proverbs is that gossip is dangerous, just like consuming raw cookie dough can be hazardous to your health. Proverbs 18.8 describes it like this. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Now, other translations of that same verse would swap the word rumors for gossip. And that phrase, dainty morsels, literally translated, means things greedily devoured. When I mean cookie dough, it is greedily devoured, right? It's like a delicacy. I can't get that all the time. My wife only makes cookies so many times. And sure, you could go to Kroger and buy it, but this is the good stuff, right? And I got to eat it before my kids can get to it. And no, I'm not going to share the bowl and the mixers, right? Kids don't need to be eating that stuff. It's like a delicacy. I want, give me more, right? Well, Proverbs says that gossip is the same Way. It's a delicacy. It's privileged information. And it tastes so good going in that we got to go back for a little bit more. And it tastes so good that we can't help but share it with someone else. But Proverbs warns that rumors and gossip are dangerous. Even though they're irresistible on the front end, they carry a dangerous side effect with them because apparently words are a lot like food. They can be ingested, 
They can be digested. And they affect how we function. And Proverbs 18 says that gossip is like cheap candy. It is guaranteed to give you a stomachache. But here's the thing with gossip. It's not going to give you a stomachache. It's going to ruin a relationship. It's going to break somebody's heart. It's going to hurt people. And we live in a world full of gossip. I mean, we run into it everywhere, at work, at home, in the hallways, at school, on campus. I don't know about you guys. We have a Facebook HOA page for our neighborhood, and it is rampant on there, right? Everybody talking about everybody's yard, and it's just, it's crazy, right? It's on the internet, it's on TV, it's everywhere we look. People talk about people, and as we talk about people, we keep the rumor mill turning. There's always some new information out there. Our small group got together to hang out this week, and knowing that we were going to be talking about this, I wanted to get their perspective on it. I said, hey, you know, tell me about gossip. What do you guys think? What do you hear? And one of the things that we discussed was it can be hard to determine if and when gossip is taking place because people talk about people. People just naturally come up in conversation. And so we were like, it's kind of hard to know if and when it's happening. But here's the thing we did decide on. It's not hard to tell when you're being gossiped about, right? You've probably been the subject of someone talking about you in a way that wasn't pleasing and it upset you and it should upset you. And as it turns out, it's upsetting to God as well. Proverbs 6, 16 and 19 says that gossip is one of the things that God hates the most. Look at what Proverbs 6 says. There are six things the Lord hates, no seven things that are detestable to him. Haughty, arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to doing wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. God hates Gossip. So if God hates it, and Scripture warns that nothing good could come from it, why on earth do we, me included, why do we dabble with it? Why do we bother messing with it? So today we're going to wrestle with a really important question. How can we overcome and avoid gossip in our everyday lives? Guys, this is an everyday thing. Complaining is an everyday thing. Then in the weeks to come, we're going to talk about cursing and criticism. Everyday things. These are everyday life things. How can we overcome these things? Well, maybe the best way for us to learn to overcome or avoid gossip is by training ourselves to ask a couple of really important questions about the conversations that we're having. Question number one, is my conversation helpful or is it hurtful? Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Now, recently, I asked my Facebook friends to be honest and to share some reasons as to why they gossip. And I got to be honest with you, before I hit send, I thought there's nobody brave enough to respond back to this. I was really impressed. My Facebook friends were honest with their answers. Some of them said information is power. And the more you have, good or bad, the more power you have. Some of them said, you know, it's just good to feel like the gatekeeper of important information. Some people admitted they gossip to fit in or to feel better about themselves. But my friend Ryan, he was really honest about his life. Listen to what he shared. He said, I usually tend to gossip when I feel uncomfortable or unsure of myself. I struggle with it mostly in work situations. I've talked about others' poor performance as a way to connect with my superiors and to take the focus off of myself. I think most of it's rooted in my fear of being found out that I really don't have it together. The sad thing is that it actually works. I can point at someone else and the focus has moved away from me temporarily. But then he says this, it doesn't work in the long term and it usually ends up backfiring. 
Now, I got his permission to share that quote because it just hits the nail on the head. It's so easy for us to want to talk down about other people to make ourselves feel better about our shortcomings. And you know, the other thing about gossip is it's really easy to disguise. One pastor refers to uh, a, a gossip sandwich. You ever heard of a gossip sandwich before? A gossip sandwich is where you start off by saying something nice about somebody so you can freely gossip about them, but then you end with a compliment so you can feel good about the way you ended the conversation. So for instance, Paul, I think Paul's a great guy. I enjoy hanging out with Paul. Now, Paul, as a husband, is a terrible person, and he's clearly a bad parent because his kids are awful. But I like golfing with Paul. Yeah, Paul's a great guy, right? You ever, have, you, have you been in a conversation like that before? Or, oh, Danielle, I love Danielle. She's really, she's really grown in the last year. Now, she's not very trustworthy, and I would never want to be seen in public with her, and I keep my family as far away from her as possible. But when you compare Danielle to Michael, Danielle's great, right? <laughs> right? You laugh, but you've, been, you've, you've heard conversations like this before, right? And none of us, none of us want to be the subject of a compliment sandwich, right? But there's something else that's just as bad, and that's prayer gossip. Have you ever heard gossip disguised in a prayer request? might sound something like this. Hey, guys, I just have something really important that I want to share with you. I don't know what's going on, but Steve hasn't been in church lately. I think he and Benita are fighting. She's been coming. He hasn't. I heard, now just keep this between me and you. Let's pray about this. I heard he got kicked out of the house and then he got deported because nobody would ever go to Africa, right? Let's pray for them. The problem is after all that, you're not going to be praying. You're, what, Steve and Benita, what's going on? How did it happen, right? And you never get around to praying and it's not even something you need to be praying about in the first place, right? So the next time we're tempted to serve up a, go- a compliment sandwich or to dish out some prayer gossip, we need to step back and say, is this helpful Or is this hurtful? It's really pretty easy to determine which is which, right? And another important question we can ask is, am I making private matters public? Am I taking someone's private information and making this public? Proverbs 11, 13 says this, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. In other words, a trustworthy person can keep their mouth shut, but a gossip is always gonna be flapping their lips. Now, I found this to be pretty fascinating. Another word used for gossip in the Old Testament uh, is swapped out in some translations as tail bearer, which is likely derived from the Hebrew word for merchant, which means to go about. And the idea is that a gossip or a tail bearer travels around like a merchant. And guess what they're selling? Everybody else's secrets. And they're stirring the pot in the community, seeing what they can gather here and there. And we live in a social media-driven world where, where tail bears have lots of followers, right? And we have media outlets devoted to this. So the next time you're tempted to tweet or post or respond or call, maybe you should think, would I share this information? Would I be willing to call 300 people right now and to tell them this? then I probably don't need to respond or post on social media. But it's not just those of us on social media. This goes for any of us that are talking about other people's private affairs. Rick Warren says this, when we're talking about a situation with somebody who is neither part of the problem or part of the solution, we are probably gossiping. So when we're tempted to talk about others, we need to train ourselves to ask, is this information helpful or is it hurtful? Am I making 
private matters public, but according to Proverbs 17, participating in gossip isn't just limited to sharing information. It also has to do with taking it in and allowing it to spread. Proverbs 17 says this, Proverbs 17, 4, wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. So another important question that we need to learn to ask ourselves is this, am I permitting others to gossip? Proverbs make it really clear, gossip's a two-way street. According to Proverbs, gossips are troublemakers and those that like to take it in are wrongdoers. Would you rather be a troublemaker or a wrongdoer? Neither one of those is a good option, right? A more simple way to think about this is what you permit, you promote. If you're permitting it to happen, in a lot of ways, you're promoting it to carry on. And I've been guilty of this, right? It's awkward. Somebody, you're thinking, I don't think that's true, but what, what do you do about it? Well, Proverbs 18 says that those dainty little morsels, they're not good for us, so why sit in on that conversation? And so we need to decide today how we're going to respond the next time we're exposed to gossip. And guess what? You're probably going to get to practice this later today or almost for sure tomorrow when you go back to work, right? And so you've got a couple of different options here. Now, I don't like conflict. And so maybe a good option for those of us that don't enjoy conflict is to politely excuse ourselves from the conversation, right? That might be the best thing to do. But the problem is somebody's gossiping about somebody that matters to somebody else. If somebody were gossiping about somebody that you love, I wouldn't just, if somebody's talking about my wife, I'm not just going to politely step away. I'm going to get involved, right? And so maybe one of the things you can say is, hey, have you talked to them? I tell you what, let's go talk to them together and verify that. I bet it probably shuts the conversation off. Or you can get all sassy and you can hold your hand out, snap your finger. I realize I'm a 40-year-old man when I do this, but you snap your finger. Boy, girl, you need to go set up shop someplace else. I don't want what you're selling, right? You go practice that in front of the mirror later. Maybe you look as awkward as I did. You have to decide now what you're going to do when gossip finds its way to you. Now, the Old Testament book of Proverbs has lots to say about gossip, but there's actually a writer in the New Testament named James that has a lot to say about the power of our words. And if you're not familiar with James, you're probably familiar with his older brother, a guy named Jesus. You ever heard of him? Kind of a big deal around here, right? And here's, the, here's what's crazy. James was not a follower of Jesus until after his brother resurrected from the dead and they met face to face. And he said, hey, guess what? Everything I told you is true. Everything mom said about me, she was right. I am God, right? And James decided that when he met the resurrected Jesus, he refers to him in the letter of James as Lord, Savior, King. And he went on to write a letter to new, uh, first century Christians to let them know what his brother and Savior was all about. And New Testament scholars refer to the book of James as the Proverbs of the New Testament. There's so much wisdom packed in these little Nuggets. And in James 3, 5, and 6, he talks about the power of our words. Listen to what James says. He says, The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. James isn't playing around here. 
He is throwing down. He goes on to say this in verses seven and eight. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, apparently James was Jesus's grouchy younger brother, right? Somebody needs to give that guy a Snickers or take a nap or something, James. I mean, good grief, take the heat off a little bit. But he was very serious about this. He's bringing the heat. He wants us to know our words are powerful. He says that our words are like deadly poison. In fact, literally translated in the Greek, our words are snake venom. Have you ever thought about gossip being like snake venom? Let me ask you this. How much snake venom do you feel comfortable ingesting into your body? How much snake venom do you want to be responsible for, for putting into someone else's body? James says our words can be like snake venom. And in James' words, they cut to the heart, but he's making a point. The words we say, the words we allow in, they matter. And if we're not careful, we run the risk of poisoning ourselves and the other people when we participate in gossip. Now, there's one more aspect about gossip that I think we need to talk about, because this is a question that, I, that I've wondered. Well, what if the information's true? What if the information that I'm being told is true? Or what if the information that I have is true that I want to share? Do I have free reign to share it? Well, let me answer your question with this question. How would you feel if I told everyone that your bad breath smelled like hot garbage on a steamy summer day? We've all been there before, right? Like, I don't want anybody within 30 feet of me. My breath is terrible. Is it true? Can I say it? Now, I'm going to ask you, please do not say that about me, right? But just because something's true doesn't mean that it needs to be perpetuated. Listen to Craig Grishel's wisdom on this. He says, everything you say must be true, but everything that is true does not need to be said. Every word that comes out of our mouth as a follower of Jesus needs to be true, but as a follower of Jesus, just because something is true doesn't mean, doesn't mean that we need to repeat it. Proverbs 17, 9 says, whoever covers an offense loves, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. It talks about this. We have power with our words to protect people. So yeah, it's true. People have affairs. They make mistakes. They drink too much. They sleep around. They struggle with addictions. They make poor choices. They get divorced. They get arrested. It's no secret that people lie, cheat, and steal to get ahead. There's some people that pick their nose when they think no one else is looking. People make bad decisions all the time. And here's the point. Those bad decisions carry consequences. And they're going to have to deal with them. But have you ever found yourself in a tough situation where you hurt somebody and the last thing you want or need is everybody else sticking their nose into it and sharing it with everybody else? So maybe we would be wise to remember that. We don't need to perpetuate somebody else's problem. Just because something's true doesn't mean that we have free reign to share it. James goes on to share one more warning about our words in verses 9 through 12. He says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Maybe one of the reasons God hates gossip so much is because we are attacking the very people that he has created in his image. James says, out of the same mouth 
comes praise and cursing. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. He drives his point home by saying that our mouths can be used for good or for evil, for worshiping God or for cursing the men and women that have been created in his image. Now, interestingly, Jesus said that the words that we use come from the overflow of our heart. And here's what was really convicting to me this week. The next time that I'm participating in gossip, I would probably be wise in saying, what's so wrong with my heart that I even care? If this, if this is true about this person, it's, it's actually heartbreaking why is my heart so awful that I would even care to perpetuate this in any way? You know, Scripture starts off in, in Genesis with the creation story. And in Genesis 3, we find that the enemy of God sneaks into the garden. And he finds his way to Adam and Eve. And he says, hey, I was just curious. Did God really say it was a bad idea to eat this? I heard there was a meeting. I wasn't invited. Can you fill me in? Now, here's what I heard, guys. I heard that God's kind of holding out on you. I heard he's trying to control you. Are you sure you don't want to take a bite? I mean, you're missing out on something. And he was able to confuse them about what was true and what was not true. They believed things about God that weren't true. They took a bite. And we've all been dealing with the consequences ever since. I had never thought about that as gossip until just this week. He was attacking the character of God. And that's how gossip spreads. Half-truths, a question's asked here, something's spread there, and all of a sudden sin starts to rage like a wildfire. Interestingly, it was gossip that led to Jesus being condemned and crucified. Mark says that false witnesses were brought against Jesus. They made up lies about him. People believed him. Guilty. Crucified. But here's the reality. Gossip's a sin. I mean, we can dance around it all day long. God hates it. There's nothing good about it. Jesus understands the dangers of it. It's a sin that Jesus died to pay for. It's a sin that he wants to redeem us from. Proverbs makes it clear. God hates it and we shouldn't dabble with it. Our words matter. They can give life. They can take life. They can worship God. They can curse other people. They can poison us. Now, I know that this is heavy. We've defined it. It's bad. We don't want to do it. But I don't want to end there. I want to think about, well, what can we do instead? So I want you to think about how can we use our words in better ways. And I heard a fantastic story this week. I thought about it all week. And I'm trying to think, what can I do in my everyday life to make this a reality? Ken Blanchard tells a story about a young man named Johnny who was a bagger at a grocery store. He had Down syndrome. But he was meeting with his dad, and he's like, Dad, I just, I just want to make a, an impact in the world. And one of the things that Johnny came up with is he said, I'm going to write out encouraging phrases or type them out. I'm going to cut them out on sheets of paper. And as I bag people's groceries, I'm going to drop it in there. And then I'm going to say, hey, I put something special in there for you. I hope you enjoy it. So that's what he started to do. And an amazing thing started to happen. People that would come to the grocery store every once in a while, started coming on a weekly basis. Many of them started coming on a daily basis because they wanted Johnny's encouraging words. But then something incredible happened. Johnny got so popular that people would come into the grocery store in his line just to bag your groceries would go to the back of the store. And then a manager would get on a microphone and say, ladies and gentlemen, lanes one through four are open. 
and no one would move. They were willing to wait. To, does anybody in here like waiting in the grocery? No, right? Make it faster than it already is. People were willing to wait to get Johnny's words of encouragement. Now, I want you to imagine what we could do. What could we do with our words at home to encourage our spouses and our kids? What could we do at work to encourage someone? How could we jump to the defense of someone who's being gossiped about? Our lives have potential, incredible potential to breathe in life. I watched someone encourage my son after he finished a race this week. And it was, it was Paul Mumal, it was our lead pastor. And he looked at my son and he said, that was incredible. And my son was exhausted when he finished the race. But when he heard Paul say it was incredible, he immediately like lifted up. That word meant the world to him. We can do that. So the next time a tail bearer comes peddling their wares, decide how you're gonna respond. The next time you're tempted, the next time I'm tempted, you can ask me how I'm doing with this. The next time I'm tempted to talk about somebody in a way that is not good, I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit would just help me to keep my mouth shut and to say something positive instead of not saying anything at all. We can do this. We have to do this because the world is doing the opposite. Let's pray. Father, there's power in words. Our words matter. Your words matter. In the beginning, you spoke and creation happened. And you said, it is good. And you said, I'm gonna create man and woman in my image and likeness. And it was very good. You spoke, your words have power. And your word tells us our words have power. We can speak life. We can also speak death. Would you help us to be very aware of our words, to be quick to say we're sorry, but to also be quick to encourage to share the right word at the right time. Help us to be quiet when we need to be quiet. But please make us aware of the power of our words. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray.